0: If you're sick of the mainstream sports outlets, well, so was I. So I started my own show. I'm Shane Larson, and this is the Game Time Guru. It's different than other talk shows. I'm providing a panoramic view on sports so you can see them through a different lens. So buckle up, and let's go. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. As you know by now, my name is Shane Larson, your host, and today we've got a boxing legend out of Idaho who's coming to tell us about his journey. You're going to learn about perseverance all throughout his boxing career, which started, by the way, at the age of 7 or 8. He's going to tell us about the story of how that all got going. You're going to learn about his amateur career all the way through his professional career, talking about his training, the fights that he had, as well as the life lessons that he learned. You're not going to want to miss it. This is going to be a great show, and it's great for all those boxing fans out there, so tune in. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Game Time Guru podcast. Today, I'm joined by a local boxing legend, Mr. Cleveland Corder, and he's going to share his journey with us. So, Cleveland, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today.
1: Oh, no problem, buddy.
0: So Cleveland, you're you're a local legend, a boxer out of Idaho. But uh, we're gonna get into the gist of your career. Uh, it's someone I've looked up to. This is you know a, a guy I used to watch consistently uh, when I was younger, when I was 15 all the way to the time I was 18, just because I used to follow the fighters out of Idaho because that's kind of what I was, is I was a fighter out of Idaho and. You know, I only fought for a few years. I didn't have near the career that you had, but I did love the sport of boxing and I still do. Um, but I wanna see we're gonna take it back in time to when fighting was something that like just you know, it, it stemmed from your youth. And I remember reading a story about some when you were like seven years old, or at least a little kid, for some reason seven years old sticks in my head, but you were a little kid. Can you elaborate a little bit when, you know, fighting was kind of in your blood and you remember that story and, and just talk about that for a second?
1: Yeah, so the reason I started boxing was, my, I grew up with a great mom and dad, but we were really low income. So we, we uh, our house, we built our house in oh, like 76 or 75. The very first low income housing project in the area was clear out on Desert View Road or on Cuna Road in Cloverdale. Just clear out there by themselves. So um when you're out there and you got a you got a subdivision that's pretty much everybody's low income, uh fighting just becomes a part of it. But uh but they, I there was two guys that moved three houses down the street, two boys my age, same age. Um and we would play all the time, so I went down there and we were playing and um me and Joe Bickness, who were still just great friends, he's one of my best friends, started we're wrestling out in the yard and uh we got kind of you know, Joe's get off and I'm trying to hold him down and stuff. We weren't fighting, we were just wrestling. And his dad comes out and kicks us both up and we're we're uh eight years old. And back then they had cellars in the basement and stuff. And he hauls us down, throws us in the cellar. says, you want to fight, you guys fight? Fight! And obviously we're eight-year-old kids staring at each other like, what? <laughs> and he goes, fight! If you want to fight, fight! And I'm just staring at Joe going, is this real? What is going on here? And he uh, pushes or smashed Joe on the butt. Joe, you said you were a fighter. You said fight, fight. So... Just one, I I started swinging punches and punching Joe, and we were punching each other back and forth. And um, Dan's wife comes down, running down in the cellar, opens the door. Dan, knock it off. Knock it off. So Joe and I, she breaks it up. She sends me home. I'm crying. uh, Joe and I are bleeding. So I walk back to my house. It's three houses down. So I get home, and I'm thinking, my dad's going to whoop this guy's butt. And uh I get in the shower. I tell mom and dad what happened. And uh they're like, go get in the shower. So I get in the shower, and I get out of the shower, and I hear Dan talking to my parents outside. And I come out of the living room. I'm like, did you beat him up? And he goes, no, but you joined boxing Club." So that's how I joined the boxing Club.
0: That is awesome. So you, <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, so you you got that uh, introduced pretty young, and that and I think that's awesome. I mean, it was pretty young and a pretty unique story. Uh, and so you started joining the boxing club, and you were just a little kid. Where where were you fighting out of when you were out in Cuna, Idaho? Where's this boxing club that you joined?
1: So so Dan worked nights, so he used to drive me, Joe, and David, and um, we would drive all the way into Meridian. Which the Boston club was literally um, off of uh, Franklin Road, uh, right across. I mean, literally, it was right across from this old bar. This guy had a had a big uh, garage in the back of his house, and the ring and the bags and everything were all hung up in there. And we used to go there. I, I fought for Vista for quite a long time before uh, Dan opened up his own club.
0: Oh wow! Okay, so. This is cool to hear because this is like the original fighters from Idaho. Now, for the listeners who have, you know, listened to my show for the last two years, they know that I fought. Uh, they know that. I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but let's let's just kind of give a little bit more information there. I, I fought for the Vista Boxing Club, which was a Golden Gloves organization for two years, and I fought for Al Barrow's Boxing Club. It was in the same gym here in Idaho uh, when I was on the Boise State Club team for boxing. Um, and... What people don't realize, Cleveland is that there were some good fighters in Idaho, obviously you were one of them, and so we all looked up to you when we were younger guys uh, but there were some good fighters. people don't realize that there was some boxing talent around here in Idaho, but I kind of want to get your you know your input because you you not only boxed you competed at a very high level through the amateur rankings, so I kind of want to get you know some some information on your amateur. Career and and how you decided to go, you know, go through the Golden Gloves tournaments and go through, you know, to at least the, to fight for the Olympics and such, uh, the qualifiers and whatnot. So, can you elaborate on your your amateur career and how that all took off here in Idaho?
1: Yeah, so this this will give someone some inspiration. I was a horrible boxer when I was when I started. I lost my first thirteen fights, thirteen fights in a row. I lost. But I, every time I saw a kid win a boxing match, you got a trophy. Now, you get, I played basketball, I played football, I played, I did track. You didn't get anything unless you won the state championship and then you get a little medal. And I'm seeing all these guys play all these games and they're not getting nothing. But I see every time you box, if you win, you get a trophy or a shirt or a jacket or something. And I just wanted a trophy so bad. So, Finally, my 13th fight, I fought in Nyssa, Oregon, and Chuck Mahana, who was my boxing coach, uh, who actually ran the Vista Club, came up to me and goes, I think we got someone you're going to win. I think we're going to win. And I'm like, I've heard that before. (laughs) So I get in the ring, and I'm literally a foot and a half taller than this kid. I'm like, I might win one. (laughs) So I beat the kid got my trophy and when i got that trophy i still have it today i go i've got to get another one so i'd lose another eight or nine fights and then i'd win a trophy i gotta get another one so i started at eight years old i did not become a fifty-fifty 50 fighter till i was 15 and i was i was put on the junior olympic boxing team uh, in 1988 we went to marquette michigan and the guy that beat me in the won my division at 119 pounds with Oscar De La Hoya. No way. Yep.
0: Wow. Okay. So you did come up from. I mean, you just kept fighting. That's perseverance right there. You you keep fighting, lose your first 13, get a trophy, lose your next eight or so, get another trophy. And and it's awesome to hear that that's kind of what you use as your motivation. I think people, especially like my family members who will remember this, um, I was very similar in regards to how I thought of like, football so I played optimist football growing up and I got so mad one year because they gave us a pair of shorts and I wanted a trophy see like I I was a huge trophy guy I liked having trophies <laughs> I got a pair of shorts and I was so pissed so um, that's so funny to hear that I did not know that piece of it so you go through and you're, you're fighting the Junior Olympics Oscar De La Hoya that's crazy to hear that. that's in that same era but it's kind of cool because now we can you know hindsight look back and see how you know his career took off obviously um how long did you stay in the amateur ranking so you fought in the junior olympics but talk about I, I mean i've seen a couple of fights on espn um your highlights from back in the day when you were still an amateur i think it was the golden glove nationals if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah so um i i wanted so i wanted to win a national title that was my big goal or represent the USA if I could represent the USA that was it so I kept going um, when I was 16 I lost at the regionals um, in Denver Colorado the guy that beat me in the regionals won the nationals that year the guy that beat me and I'm like I can do this so I, I go in 92 I get a bronze medal a silver medal uh, 93 I got a silver the national golden glove finals um, I'm like I got to do this but they I got a call from uh USA Boxing and they wanted to put me on the United States boxing team and I'm like yeah let's do it so um I fought USA versus Russia in Camp Lejeune North Carolina and uh I was one of only three Americans to win that that, that uh fight so after I beat Russia and you know you get the national anthem and everything I felt like oh this is this is my career. This is great. So I went home. I said, man, I gotta go back to school and get a job on. So, uh, 94 and early in the beginning of 95, I didn't box. Um, I, I started running with the wrong crowd. I started doing the wrong things. My mom and dad come to me and, uh, sit me down and, and, uh, they're like, dude, you gotta get back to boxing." I'm like, why? They're like, you just not a good character. You just got to get back to boxing. When you were in boxing, you were going to church. You were doing the right thing. You got, you got saved through boxing. You gave your life to the Lord through boxing. You just have fallen away, and you've got to change. And I look at my parents, I'm like, you've never been to church a day in your life. They're like, well, we want what's best for you. We're not worried about us. We're worried about you. And you know, and then spending two weeks thinking and Mer- thinking about that, and and she goes, my mom's like, just reflect on your life the last year. Tell me what what good thing has come about it. I was like, okay. After a couple weeks of I said, all right, I'm gonna get back into boxing. So I started training. Uh, Chuck Mahana, who was my coach, um, his son Ty Mahana started training me we uh went to the pound nationals in 95 uh i win my first three fights my fourth fight uh the guy headbutts me and splits my wide my eye wide open so I, i had to get um i couldn't fight along anymore so they they there was no sense in the guy that i was fighting not go on um i come home i'm training i i go to the u.s championships that year in 1996 for the Olympics, I lose to in the finals. I get another silver medal, but I lose lose to David Reed, who I meet in the box off and uh, beats me. And he goes on and wins the gold medal in 96. So I told myself I'm gonna try one more year. So I went and I fought Korea. I beat Korea in 97. I came back and I won the whole national Golden Gloves that year, only guy from Idaho to win it and then I was also chosen the Golden Boy of the tournament so I was the outstanding boxer of the National Golden Gloves tournament and that was like okay, you can be done you've accomplished a lot so I came home and then I started getting calls from Bob Arum, Lou Duva um, Don getting calls to turn pro so I went and visited a few places uh, and I chose Bob Arum to go pro with
0: Wow. Okay. So again, it seems like it's a constant reminder to all of us that perseverance was a big factor in your life. You continued to, you know, push through, and even uh, when things got tough, whether it would be in your life or in your boxing career, things got tough. You keep going. You keep going. You keep going, um, and you kept trying, which is really cool to see because it's not easy to do in the boxing world. That's not easy to do. When I like take it for myself, I can use my own example. My last fight, I got busted up. Like I didn't get knocked out, but I got beat up pretty good. And for being in the amateurs and having headgear on, my face was pretty bloodied. Um, When you think you're supposed to be protective with the headgear, it definitely wasn't. I was getting popped pretty good, and it kind of defeated me. Um, And I never actually trained after that. I was like, you know, this isn't the sport for me. Whereas someone like yourself, you know, you kept going, and you knew you were going to be able to do something bigger, and you kept trying. So I think that's awesome, and it's very inspirational. And you decided you're going to go pro now. Where did you go to train? Where was this location at? And was it difficult leaving to, you know, essentially turn this into your career?
1: So I asked, when I turned pro, I went everybody that quartered me, I said, I want 50000 up front. I want a $50,000 signing bonus. I want this much per fight, this much per, per thing. I, I didn't, I love Kenny, and I wouldn't be who I am without Kenny King because him and I were basically him, me, Kenny, and Ed Dalton were training partners. We just trained together pretty much our whole pro careers. Well, not Kenny's, Kenny, I, di- I didn't turn pro till 97, so, but we, we needed each other, but I didn't want to stay around here. I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to get to the, to the world titles fast as I could, and not, you know, not spend, you know, 20 years in the ring like a lot of guys do. So I kind of made a goal in 97, going to retire in 2007. So I signed with Bob Arum, who had Sugar Ray Leonard, Hagler Duran, Oscar De La Hoya. Um, He signed a few people out of the Olympics. I mean, so going with him, I thought would be the best bet for me. So um, I, I was training here for a while, but the sparring wasn't what I needed with Kenny and Ed you know I get I can hit him as hard as I want not hurt him and stuff but I need someone with speed so I ended up I was married I got married in 97 and I so I lived in Vegas and my wife lived here um while I was training in Vegas I would fly home once a a week and with my to be with my wife and stuff so I trained in Vegas lived here I did that for two years and I finally told bother him I gotta go home I can't, I can't do it. So I came home and I signed a big contract with the Coeur d'Alene tribe in Northern Idaho to be their main event fighter up there. So we moved up there together.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so when you started training, and can you explain the difference between the training style when you went down to Vegas, um, finally made the move? What was the training like for the professional level compared to what you had, you know, been experiencing the majority of your career up until that point here in Idaho?
1: So. I, my trainer I had down in Vegas was, was like Roosevelt Sanders, which, who is the, who's been a boxing coach since the eighties or, you know, uh, literally old school. He, they ran, he ran the, uh, 84 and 88 Olympic team, won all those gold medals. And he was training me. He was training me. It was just crazy. We would be out at 6 AM running six miles. We'd go we'd go eat, come back, go to the gym, do a, do a gym workout and then we come back at night and do a do a sparring session versus here you just run and hit the gym. Yeah, it was it was it was really different Listen, I I, I bounced between him and Pat Berry who who had Augie Sanchez. I bounced between those two as trainers. Um after uh after a little while I just said, I can't be away from my wife this this long. It was driving me nuts. So that's when I jumped and came here and my wife and I moved to Quarter
0: I can totally understand that though. you know, family comes first for sure. And so it's cool that it worked out for you though, as far as like you still got to, you know, sign on with, you know, going up the Quarter Lane and have a pretty good gig there. I want to talk about your professional career though, Cleveland. You said you started your amateur career, obviously you're a little kid, but lose your first thirteen. How did your professional career start in regards to your record and, and how you were competing?
1: It was it was awesome. So um my amateur career, I was, um, I was a pretty strong, I am, I, I, I hope to say I am, I, am a str- strong believer, in, I'm a strong believer in Christian, so I'm fighting, and, and everything's just rolling good, I, I think I was 13-0, and 0 or 14-0 and 0 at at the time, um, then I get offered a fight at the Playboy Mansion, and I'm really like, gosh, should I go, should I not go, so I go and I finally take it and I, I take one of the pastors from my church with me to the Playboy Mansion. I fight on, I flight fight down there at the Playboy Mansion, and I get dropped. I think the first round and I get a huge cut spliced right over my eyeball, and uh, instead of having a cut, man, I took my guy from the from my pastor from church, and he didn't have any idea how to close the cut or anything and. You know, just lessons learned. So I end up losing that. I think it was, then they cut it down to a four or six round fight. So I ended up losing a decision to that guy. And that's when I decided to come back to Boise. Yeah, and then I, I came to Boise and, and then Coeur made me a big offer to go up there with Mo Smith, who I who a lot of people might, might know him. Mo Smith, he trained me in Coeur d'Alene. Um, used to be Gorgeous George's wrestling partner. Um, he used to train... He was uh he used to train uh, George Foreman, Michael Moore, uh a lot of a lot of people. So he's been in the business forever. So I started training with uh him up in Court d'Alene and uh fighting being the main event fighter for the Coeur d'Alene casino.
0: Dang, that's crazy. And when I look at your career as far as like especially a lot of the earlier fights in your professional career a lot of these Cleveland were like within a month, two months, three months of each other like you'd fight one, another month later you'd fight another one, three months later you'd find another one. Um, it seems like you didn't really have too long between bouts were you you don't have to get into numbers, but did you as a as a professional you mentioned like a signing bonus that you wanted, but were you paid per fight or was it a contract or how did that work on that scale? You no, know,
1: so I was paid per I was paid a, a monthly installment plus I was paid per fight
0: okay okay so is that pretty much normal for you know professionals that are coming up through the ranks like that to be on a similar structure
1: i have no idea
0: okay okay i just
1: that's just the way i wanted it i did not want to i wanted a monthly installment just so i didn't have to you know live fight to fight to fight um so i got a monthly installment and then i fought i fought i fought a lot because i wanted to get my career in 10 years I wanted to, I mean, Oscar fought for 20 years, I think, or 18 years. I didn't want to fight that long. Kenny King, I think he fought 16, 17 years. I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to fight that long. So I knew what I had in my head, if it was going to work for me to turn pro, and it it they accepted it, and it worked for me.
0: I love it. I love it. I, I think it's really interesting how, you know, how it worked out. I think it's cool. And if they let you fight and you're able to fight, it's more impressive on your part that you were able to recover, then fight, then recover, then fight. then re- And it's just, it, that's not very common. Just in case anybody out there is listening, that's not common. So I think it's kind of cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it was better for me because as I was getting older, you know, I needed to stay in the gym longer. So it's it's easier for me to take a couple weeks off and get back in the gym.
0: Totally, totally. All right, so Cleveland, you're going through your career. Um, I kind of want to bring up this this topic of of a fighter that that she lost to twice um and it's jesse brinkley the reason i want to bring up jesse brinkley is because for any boxing fan out there who you know paid attention to the sport back in the day and i'm talking in my high school days i'm a i'm a junior in high school when this was going on but the contender was a tv show jesse brinkley happened to be on the contender and i remember it being kind of a headline here in the local the local news that you were you know you had fought the guy off of the contender and this and that um it, it seems like you had this thing with Jesse Brinkley because he had beaten you twice and you wanted to fight him again And it doesn't seem like you ever got the opportunity to fight him again And why was that did you did you want to get that that rematch for the third fight to make sure that you were able to beat him?
1: Well, no This is the one the one thing I love and hate about boxing so I can go in and This um, dismantle a guy I mean So our first fight, me and Jesse's first fight, was up in Coeur d'Alene, and it landed a round or two rounds, I can't remember, and I dismantled him, but he caught me with an uppercut, and I was out cold. The second fight, I dismantled him for eight rounds. It's a 10-round fight. I dismantled him for eight eight rounds, and then round nine, he catches me, and I'm out cold. So I can win every round of all 10 rounds, but if he catches you with one shot, he wins. And it, it just it just had a it's like a thorn in my side. I know I can beat him. I proved I beat him nine. I beat him nine rounds out of the ten rounds we fought. But he if he lands that punch, you're out. I mean, he did really good on the contender. Um, who was the other contender guy I fought? I fought another guy off the contender here at Boise State University. Hmm. Anyway, so um, he's a great you know competitor and we were looking at doing setting up the fight again here but doing it here on Boise versus uh versus in Coeur d'Alene and uh the money backer fell out so Guess, we yeah. didn't we, we didn't we didn't move on with that
0: is Jesse the only fighter that you um never beat I should say because didn't you have another fighter that you had you'd fought after losing to and beat him
1: so yeah the the, the, the guy that i fought at the playboy mansion i bought we fought here in boise and and i beat him here in boise pretty good
0: is that ron johnson yes there you go look at you (laughs)
1: okay
0: ron johnson i'm telling you i i remember your career um i just uh, the names were coming up and i just remember these things um that are like as soon as we scheduled this interview i was like i'm trying to think of all the things that i remembered and those were coming up so um that's 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 the crazy thing you brought up is boxing is like that. Any fighting sport for that matter is you can, you can beat someone and, and strategically outbox them and, and, and beat them, but if they catch you, all it takes is that one catch. Like, and, and that happened twice, and that's unfortunate that that happened because on the records, all it shows is two losses and it's tough because you can't like an analyst who watches that will be able to see that but sometimes not everybody sees it Um, all they see is two losses and they don't actually understand what happened behind the scenes and that's frustrating but it's cool to see that you still picked yourself up and continued on with your career to finish it off Um, talk about your final push of your career up until the time that you decided to to hang them up in 2007
1: so I was looking for uh, the IBA title so I love the IBA title because the guy that um, the guy that was the president of the IBA title I, Oscar, won it, Oscar De La Hoya won it off of uh, oh my goodness Ike Corte and um, it was it, but, but the guy that ran the IBA title was a Cy Young award winner for the Cleveland Indians and I'm a huge Cleveland Indians fan so I wanted to get that in here so I can meet the guy that was the president of the IBA title, and and so I got that. And then the I wanted Joe Frazier was my favorite heavyweight of all time, so and he won the NBA title. So I wanted to get one of those because Joe Frazier won one of those. And then um, the intermi- the IBC title, I International Boxing Council. That was that was just I was ranked number one in their thing, so they put their title up too. Gotcha. So I wanted those titles, and I won it. I did the IBA. I already won it, so I defended it for the world. My last fight, the last fight, I wanted it for all the titles. I wanted to defend what I had and get the ones that I didn't. And I wanted it, I had to do it in the, with a top ranked top ten guy. So
0: that's super cool though did you do you have your belts or anything hanging up still do you you got everything yeah I've got all
1: my belts and all my 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 uh well no I take that back my wife made me get away rid of all 56 trophies I had except for the special one she made me strip them and donate them
0: oh that's awesome though (laughs) that's funny
1: Uh, don't you think another little kid will enjoy it as much as you did No.
0: Dude, you don't want to give up those trophies, man. They're important.
1: <laughs>
0: that's that's super cool, though. That she you, you you know you you did exactly what you wanted to do, and that was to you know go through. You finished where you wanted to finish, and you finished in the time that you wanted to finish, and that was in 2007. And you you did that. I kind of want to know as we're kind of wrapping this up and, and talking about your career. Um, you have children. Uh, do you think you know, judging by your career and what you've learned through boxing? Do you want to allow your kids to fight or do you encourage that for for your kids or other kids do you do you encourage boxing and other fighting sports for the lessons that it taught you
1: i I encourage it. like like I have a heavy bag hanging in my garage with a double-ended bag and a spring bag in my garage i I will teach my kids how to fight or or to handle themselves they they have my oldest my 17 year old and my 13 year old have chosen not to box and that's, that's fine. That doesn't bother me a bit. But they will learn how to defend themselves. Um, I got a 6 year or I, I got a seven-year-old who really wants to box, and you know, but I'm going to wait till he's 10. And I'm going to say, all right, you ready to do it, you know, and then if he wants to, then we'll do it. But I think people need that one-on-one sport, whether it be baseball, because baseball kind of one-on-one and stuff. You try to be better. But, you know, I encourage kids to get out there and, learn to do something where it's all you it's all on you and what you put into it is what you get out of it and that's 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 in a lot of sports but boy there's not there's nothing harder than sitting in the middle of the ring and the other guy's hand being raised
0: oh absolutely I th- this is great talking to you I used to say that all the time I mean I grew up playing football and basketball all through high school too but you know sometimes in those team sports even if you're the main guy sometimes you can get it's it's a team effort and that's just how it is but when it came to boxing it was something that you know even when I would get beat um and even when I won like there was just something about it you you knew that you actually had to come to work and you had to put in work or else you were gonna get beat up like that's the thing and, and it was kind of a satisfaction it was a weird satisfaction you got going in there even when you're getting hit like you you put the work in and that's kind of like that's the reward you either get hit or you hit somebody else and it was just something i don't know it's a weird satisfaction about it but i totally agree with you now cleveland if you could share with the listeners you know the biggest lesson that you learned through boxing that you can actually translate to your your real life whether it be with work or anything else your you know relationships whatever anything a life lesson you learned through boxing that you're able to you know transfer
1: not not everything's going to go your way not everything's going to run perfect but i've learned in life that you can always turn lemon into lemonade you can always make something better even if it's not you know when i lost when i lost those national championships every time you know there's always another day the sun does shine again and stuff and i if i could tell my old self don't dwell on it move on and do it move on and and, and just do just get better next time is the the best thing i tell you about. you may fail in your business well maybe that maybe that wasn't the business you were meant to be there's always something else out there for you and and there's always there's always a, a a brighter shinier day the next day
0: i love it i love it and i appreciate you sharing your story with us is there anything you'd like to share before we sign off today cleveland
1: don't ever cut yourself short. I, I lost 13 fights in a row, but I always wanted that trophy. Always reach for your dreams. That's all I can say is reach for those dreams because you never know when you're going to catch them.
0: I love it. And I appreciate you joining us, Cleveland, and for all the listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed the story as much as I did, and uh, you guys know the drill. We'll talk to you guys next week.